Today's show is sponsored by Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free by visiting blueapron.com slash badchristian. Hey everybody, this is Reva. Just want to give you a quick reminder that Emery's going to be on tour with 68 in June. Starting June 1st in Seattle and then down through California over to Scottsdale, Arizona on the 8th and El Paso on the 9th. So check those dates out. They're going to be with 68, who is Josh Scoggin of The Chariot. I don't know about you guys, but that was one of those bands growing up where they're coming through town. I would drive as far as I needed to to see them and would not miss them. 68's the same, man. You gotta see them live. And I'll be there too, so come say hi at the merch. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Tim, are you drinking already this morning? Yeah. It's my, my first beer of the day. But yes, I've had a very uh, stressful couple couple of days, what do you actually. Got? <laughs> uh, a little too hearted. I saw you got a box full of Pliny yesterday. Yeah, my freaking man's from uh, LA sent me a suitcase full of Pliny the Elder, which you can only get on the West Coast. Yeah, it's one of my favorite yeah, beers. Yeah, so I was I very that, pumped on that. That's good stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Joey here? Or is Joey, Joey just yeah. doing like Christian no. counseling? He's just doing some counseling. Were you making fun of my job just now? I don't know. I don't I don't know if that's a job. Dude, man. I'm joking though. You don't know how many people don't commit suicide a day because of me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I like that it's a day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, daily. People Joey Svensson saving people daily. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just start here though. Tim, you Tim was uh been texting me on and off dying laughing about uh, the podcast telling us we're we're big clowns, but he's been listening to the show more than ever. So I'm curious what what stuff Tim's been picking up on where he thinks we've been talking nonsense. <laughs> oh, dude, there's been a few times. There was one time, I think Toby or Joey, you guys are talking about all your diets. You guys are on a new diet like every week, I feel like. <laughs> um, that is true. I'm waiting for you guys to switch to an exclusive like cat food diet or something because it ups your something or other. But uh, Joey mentioned something about he was on Slim Fast, and I, I just knew at that moment that I completely <laughs> don't know reality because for a split second I thought he was being serious <laughs> because he says so much ridiculous shit all the time. <laughs> That I have no idea what's true or not. Tim, I I, like, I was I a hundred percent also didn't know if he was being serious or not. Yeah, well that's what that was so funny. You guys all paused like, and then he's like, like, I'm kidding. And then you guys <laughs> fell out because you were both like, How do we deal with this yeah. in public right now? <laughs> um, and I think it's really funny just hearing Joey's kind of journey. It's really all about Joey. He's just so funny, so entertaining. But yeah, just like his whole journey through 
faith and evolution and science and you guys just ragging on them <laughs> well the bad thing is it's not funny ha ha joey's funny it's ha 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 i'm laughing at joey because he's dumb and that's not funny. dumb that's the not dumb that's, that's the not the word for it not dumb <laughs> <laughs> no joey's a fun, it's funny blissfully I mean, unaware yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You go. I just, yeah. I just think you're so innocent. You just say stuff sometimes. I'm like, what the hell did he just uh, get that from? It's hard Joe's to tell reality. Joe's I, the yeah. smartest one. Joe's oh the yeah, for one. sure. It is hard to tell. Just, re- he's in it for the money. In in religion for the money. <laughs> he's and killing it on it. both sides. Yeah, he's killing yeah. it in yeah. the regular everyday church mm-hmm. world, and he's killing it over here on the custom podcast, yeah. making fat bank on in both. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> he's, a, he's an evil genius is what you're saying yeah. yeah yeah i had i had to learn a little bit into this thing and you know what i should probably shy away from the f word or else i'm gonna lose my christian job so yeah i've got a got a balance both, he's, he's gonna start an extreme left-wing podcast soon and then an extreme right-wing podcast after that and, and that'll be for sure have, have, you, you guys might be right he might be a genius the other day joey called me and i promise you i was fully on board it was like he was telling me about a friend from college who had sexually assaulted somebody. And I was like, oh, God, this is awful. And then he just goes, you know I'm joking, right? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was almost in tears. It was really, like, I was going through all the emotions of sadness, like, this is my friend, but he really fucked up really bad and all this stuff. And then Joe goes, you believe that? I was like, but oh, that, my God. It was this- the most extreme depiction that's of what I'm saying. someone. But, I but could, that's what I, Timmy's saying. You do that every day. You go to all extremes at any moment yeah, with anything. Like, Literally, like when you have a question and you're talking about sex, it's never like, how do you ask your wife for a blowjob? You're like, all right, so I'm doing blow off like 18 hookers. And then my dad walks in and he starts doing blow. And next thing you know, we accidentally kiss. What do you do? And like, that's like a perfect Joey. Like, let me ask an existential question. It's just the weirdest Oh, it's just, it's unbelievable. I I love it. I just wait for those gems every episode. I've been thinking about that, and you know, in light of we've been doing this for so long, and Under Oath's a good uh, example of this too. It's, uh, there's something that's in common, obviously, with our career paths, not even including the Emory. It's just, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's the, like you said, the journey or the evolution or the totally changing from where you start and being willing to change as you go, which something obviously Andros is always doing. But that's, I've been thinking about that with Joey and me and Toby too, but more exaggeratedly, Joey, with where we started, the views have been changing. And I can't imagine people getting on this BC pod ride at different times because it's just, you know, we've got different views and totally different places well, than we were. And I some people you, are mad about it from time to time. Yeah, you know? I, I heard you say that the other day. And I, I, I don't, it, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not defensive about it. But you guys like start off as pretty hardcore Calvinists. True. And when it came to how you viewed women, I mean, you were just as Mars Hillized yep. as I was. So I don't see me being the one that changed the most, unless you're saying that I am more progressive than you guys. I think that I'm I'm quicker to change, and that may be true. But but I, well, I, I don't just think you being that a I was pastor, but it's that you have been and still are a pastor and are the craziest person we all know. That's Joey, just, you've been that's Hindu insane. for three months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, I, and I think I think that's good. And yeah, I think if you went back to episode one and then episode 70 and episode 150 and then episode 300, all of your views have changed, interestingly, 
But naturally, and like you said, like I think all of ours and Under Oath have done the exact same thing. I mean, yeah. I, me and Aaron joke all the time about our past and like Aaron's done, you know, church events. And like I used to lead by talk about it now at like 3 a.m. at a bar. Like, remember when we used to do this stuff? How yeah. funny was yeah. that? And just have a have a chuckle. I think a lot of people get embarrassed about it. I think one thing I've heard Matt say a lot is like we shouldn't go back and edit that or delete them like. People should just yeah. be okay with your story and your journey being flawed and being natural and real. And I think, unfortunately, for you guys and Under Oath together, like everything we've done since we were 17 has been publicly documented, televised, and captured. So we have no choice. So you right. just got to figure yeah. out a way to navigate it. You yeah. know, there's video yeah. of us, four of us, minus Joey at you know Warp Tour doing a Bible study, taking it pretty seriously. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Right>. Sure. <laughs> Matt, well, yeah, Pat Mike. Yeah. Last thing about me, and I want to then move to under oath is, um, I think it's interesting. So Priscilla stumbles upon the episode about my sexist uh, premarital notes, and she really wanted to talk about it. And she, uh, it was funny. She said, "I don't listen to you guys often, but then y'all know how Priscilla talks. I listen to you guys, and you guys are just so fun. I just like y'all are just so fun. I gotta listen more often." So basically, though. There's two things that I think are uh, pretty important to know about those premarital notes is, A, they were definitely more conservative than the church that I was working at. Like, I think a lot of people at Seacoast would have been a little bit uncomfortable with how it was leaned so towards masculinity and chauvinism. Secondly, and this one is, is more to protect my reputation, which doesn't really matter now, but... <laughs> yeah. But the whole uh, put out to protect your husband was given to me by a pastor's wife. Like, that was not a mentoring from a male pastor. That was from a pastor's wife. But all the same shows how jacked up our culture is. So, under oath, what kind of oath were y'all under when y'all first started the band? <laughs> 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 was it like an oath with God? And and now, I mean, y'all broke the oath now. <laughs> oh, right. shit. Uh, um, Aaron, why don't you take that? You named the band, right? <laughs> what, what, when Undero started, um, it was started by a guy named Dallas Taylor and another guy named Luke Morton. Uh, and then I joined the band before we had a bass player uh, with Cala, Florida, which is the north of where we're from and they just had the name and i assume and i, I don't have 100 percent historical facts but i assume that it was called thunder for that reason Joey. aaron are you breaking up or am i so. yeah last thing i heard was something about how satan came to you and you he said if you do this thing you'll get pretty big being a pretty big band he said you put out yeah, a series of mediocre yeah. albums and then finally find your sound and go through to the next level if you just right. sell me your soul now. And that was the idea. Oh, for sure. We lost Aaron, so let's get down <laughs> to okay. real, real business. He'll, he'll join back. All right, folks, pardon me a second from what we're talking about so I can tell you about something else that I think you should care about and pay a little bit of attention to. But that's only if you, like, I don't know, want to look good and ever feel good or go out in public to – a special event and not feel really stupid. And that's Indochino. So I don't know if you can understand this if you haven't really worn one, but a made-to-measure suit, it is just a whole nother level than a generic off-the-rack suit. And uh, for me, 
you know, it's not something I even thought I was in the realm of a person. I never thought of myself as the kind of person that could have a made-to-measure suit. It never really crossed my mind. And I don't wear suits that often. So when I do, I go to a men's warehouse or borrow one from somebody else that's kind of tall like me. And every suit I've ever had fits me like it's my dad's suit that's too big and I feel like a dumb kid. But that was until I got my Indochino suit, which I love. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear company and has been featured in, man, all these publications have been GQ and Forbes, Fast Company. They get a lot of press because they do great stuff. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements, even made-to-measure shirts. It did not even have to be for suits. It could be just to wear to the office, and it's a great fit. And uh, guys love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics they have, and they have the option to personalize all this stuff. So I picked out the pinstripes, for instance, and the lining in mine. And here's how it works. You can visit a showroom. Or you can shop online, whichever you like better, Indochino.com. You pick your fabric, you choose your customizations, you submit your measurements. It's very easy to do. It takes just a few minutes. And you wait for your custom suit to arrive in weeks. Now, this week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $3.79 at Indochino.com if you enter the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, the shipping's free. Like I told you, making the measurements is easy. It's great. That's Indochino.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN for any premium suit of just $3.79 and free shipping. Incredible deal for a suit that'll fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. But Tim, tell us about uh, like how if all this makes sense from the point of view uh, for you guys on a... like. What really is the relationship of, since we're on the BC pod and we're talking about this shit, the relationship of faith to your musical change? And are those things related? Because I want to untangle those a little bit. I would give you the opportunity to untangle the part that, you know, you've been on the faith. God dang it. I'm going to use the word faith journey here. I I cornered myself into it. (laughs) Never mind. Anyway, you You cornered yourself into it. I walked myself right into having used the term faith journey. Anyway, tell me about (laughs) yours. Just just unpack your journey for us, brother. Yeah, well, while I was standing in the gap at 17 years old, I, uh, no. um, Yeah, I mean, I think there are two things, right? I think Underos Music, that's the one thing I think I can honestly say 100% fact, and Aaron could back me up, is like, We did a lot of things because of our faith, but the music was never one of them. Like our goal was to be the coolest, raddest, best band ever. Like I wanted to be better than all my favorite bands and that started Aaron. And that was really our entire journey in that moment. And I think for us, you know, the music was always, where do we want to go musically? Is it Jimmy World? Is it Glassjaw? Is it at the drive-in? Is it wherever? I think faith-wise, though, probably the clearest uh, tie there is lyrically. Uh, and I think there was a lot of things that Spencer wanted to tackle or Aaron wanted to tackle um, that we didn't feel super comfortable diving into so bluntly. And now we do because a lot of people have loosened up and or all but kind of lost their faith completely. And at this point, you know, we all started as a Christian band. um, And there's still about three of us that probably go to church regularly. There's a couple of us that are like, nope, don't want it, over it, doesn't exist. And then the the rest are kind of in the middle going, there's something, but what it is is Mm -hmm. to be determined, which I think probably aligns a lot more with probably Matt's view than everyone else's on your side. But 
you know, you just kind of say like, who knows? Annihilationism, we go black is, are we created? Who the hell knows? Yeah. Uh, but I feel a purpose. I feel something that's bigger than me. So let's all try to be something better than ourselves collectively. I think that's where the faith started and is now. Um, and the music's just a natural evolution based on all the stuff we're into and it doesn't really have any faith-based scenario aside from saying mm-hmm. fucking shit and not feeling like we can't, which is probably the obvious thing and everyone's freaking out about for a week and then they move on and examine it. <laughs> but y'all been doing, for instance, you have, you've, you know, you guys have been on record many times cussing before it was in this song. So is that a surprise that that was really a, that big of a deal at this point, especially given that culture's moved a lot in five years? Like I, I don't think about cussing near as much as I did five years ago, not whether or not it's good or bad, but I get hassled about it a lot less than I used to. Were you surprised that a bunch of people still wanted to bring that up here? Aaron? Uh, I, I, I think that I, I think that people that are under oath fans, they, they know that certain members, at least in the last few years, certain members have different creeds they uh, uphold now. But I think when the band as a whole made a statement saying uh, an expletive, they were like, oh, crap, it really is over. Like my favorite band really is now satanic. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> you know, it. Yeah. Like they were holding you know out hope I mean? and that was it. That was that. Yeah. And yeah. I think that and I think I've been there, man. I get the most angry about stuff like that, probably in the band where I'm like, you know, like that song came out not too long after the Parkland shootings and the whole thing. And I was like, really? Like we're really spending internet time and intellect talking about us saying a word. Yeah. Like, is that really a real thing? Like right now in the world when things are so tense and things are so difficult. Um, so I got the most angry and then I, I did a lot of thinking about it. And it's one of those things where you have people that like, like myself that grew up church of God that are like, that grew up so stringent to, to a belief system and to, to a social, uh, upholding that when you take away that one band that they were allowed to listen to, you know, I, I, that's a shock for them. So I've tried to see it from both sides. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think it's sad that we live in a world now um, where faith, a lot of Christian faith-leaning people like still want to talk about stuff like that. But I understand on both sides. Yeah, I saw you, know, you get about me- 75% aggro on Twitter a couple of times. I love it when you do. Dude, I mean, it's, it's so hard because you really I, – I really felt like we – Spencer and I really put ourselves out there. And I remember us wrestling over saying fuck. Like I remember us being like, is this, is this something that like – that we're just doing like we had this conversation is this something that we're just doing or is this something that that is poignant to the moment and i really felt like i really it's obviously on the record twice three times because we really felt like you know you you, you can't say like i'm not your freaking prey man you know it doesn't doesn't have the same effect it's mm-hmm. a it's an emotion more than it's actually language for for me and for him as well so i get so aggro on twitter because i was like you don't understand like this isn't about linguistics this is about this is about soul capturing and for, you know, us being in this place, but people just aren't going to understand that. So I've really tried hard in the last month to come to terms with the fact that people on both sides see it for different reasons. Um, and that may sound incredibly tolerant of me and I'm not trying to be like, Oh, I'm so tolerant now. (laughs) I I just, I'm trying, I'm trying, you know what I mean? So it's shocking to me. Like the thing I, I, I can get super aggro too. And it, I used Joey, you said this. I used to be that kid too, though. Like when I heard uh, Joey, I can remember you and I talking about it or whatever. Like uh, I think it was Jackson from Slick Shoes. People said he smoked. They saw yeah. him smoking, and you're like, "Oh man, that dude 
How hilarious is, is it or, that like or talking a, a, to the polar drummer in the parking lot and he said a uh, dumbass and you and yeah. I both were like, did he just say that? I know. <laughs> and how hilarious is it? Like we thought we we knew so much, like early twenties, teens, and you think you know everything. But the problem is, it, it means that you they really aren't your fans anyway. Like somebody that would really complain about that isn't your fan because that's just they you were on their team or something. It's like a sports guy. He plays for your favorite basketball team. He gets traded. You don't really care about him. You just don't. They don't care about you. And if you look at it percentage wise, the amount of profanity that is on the new under oath record is next to nothing compared to all the other words. So it's like it. The percentage wise, why nobody takes the time to really think why would they use this word? Like you said, y'all took the time to figure out why, what words should be used, and nobody else gives you that much opportunity. It's really frustrating. Well, I think it's, I don't think it's any different than anything else when you're doing art. And it's like when you, it's, I feel the same thing musically. I was just at the studio all weekend. Uh, Dave and I were doing drums and stuff for the new Emory record. And I was like, and wasn't lyrics, but no matter what, when you have an idea and it comes in your head and you're trying to do something that's art and that idea is beyond the boundary of something that seems normal or acceptable or okay, once I conceive of such an idea, it's very hard to, to not, I mean, mm-hmm. basically the job is figure out how to make this work. Do you know what I mean? Like not, right. oh, yeah. you know what? That would be too heavy or that chord's too weird. No, that's never the right, almost never the right answer. The answer is, yeah, maybe people wouldn't like it if we do this extra boundary pushing thing in the music. No, you don't want any creator to do that. I, I would argue you never want a creator to be safer and just make sure not to actually push that boundary, whether it be a drum sound or a lyric or a chord. I think you ha- like how embarrassed would you be about yourself if you had that lyric and you felt it was right and you just chickened out is what it would be to me. If you right. pulled that so, lyric, you, you, you'd be chickened you out. Always, you would always, there's a song on chasing safety and it still bothers me today and Sometimes if I play the song solo, I'll tell the story where it's uh, that boy brush red living in black and white track where the second verse, it goes, look who's dying now, slit wrist, sleeping with the girl next door. I always knew you were such a sucker for that whore. That was supposed to be the line. I think actually Tim may have even written it, but the label, I remember it was came from Brandon uh, at 2003. No, it was Chad Johnson. That, oh, Chad that's right. Johnson came down and like told us saying whore was going to do more destruction to the culture and the flop than wow. just censoring it. And we were like, that, we don't have any other word. And that's the lyric. And so now it's just such a sucker for that. And then we just go in and it's like, we just literally edited an entire sentence grammatically hey. fully incorrect wow. just because someone's like, yo man, like, and then we actually took it. We, we were in a spot yeah. where wow. he wasn't manipulating us. He was coming to us and we were like, yo, this is pretty fringe. We'll see. And then he's like, dude, you guys really need to like seek and think on this. Like you guys are going to just do a lot more damage than you think you're going to do like moving forward. And it, and at the time we're like, you're right. Like saying whore, like there's too much risk for destruction. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, think you know, about it. You never crazy. want to create, you don't want Vince Gilligan for Breaking Bad or Kurt Cobain or anybody to have wished, you never wish they would have been more careful. Yeah. That's just not, that's not what the thing, yeah. that's not what we're doing. I mean, Bill Cosby, I wanted him to be more careful. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is. Well, that's a good example of the it counter is, funny, is overly though. clean, but there's a real dark side that you don't show. Yeah. So if you could actually make well, the opposite point. It's funny when, like, the people that are pissed that we say fuck just watched, like, the last three seasons of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. in their room with their girlfriend. Totally fine. Watching right. people get raped and pillaged and gang banged and destroyed and beheaded. And it's like, 
I can watch that. It's not about that's destroying me or anyone else around me. It's that I have a way that you need to look and feel and speak like because you say you're on my side and this is what our team does. Right, yeah. And I, and, and I think that's a big disconnect and that's why we have left behinds and Kirk Cameron and Christian movies and Christian television and they always make sure it's rated for everyone because it's just – there's it's all bullshit at this point. And it's like – and I think that's where our frustrations come in as a band with faith and then you add like all of the other stuff we've been through and you just kind of get to a spot where you're like, you know what? All of this doesn't make any sense. And yet somehow I still personally call myself a Christian. And then people ask me the top five questions. Do you believe this? No. Did this happen this way? No. Is this perfect? No. And they're like, so you're actually not. And then I'm like, well, there's not a rule book for who is and who isn't. And I guess the, the easiest way for me to say it is maybe I'm just becoming more Jewish. And I think Jesus is my rabbi and I'm going to follow everything he said, but I'm not going to conform to what you're doing. Um, but then I can't even be Jewish. So I'm not a Christian and I'm not a Jew and I'm not anything yet. Somehow I still believe in everything Jesus taught and I still believe in being a good person and that we're all part of a bigger cog. So whatever that is, that's what I think I am. And that's, I think what we all are in a weird. One of the things you said that really, it it does bother me. Like I I mentioned this last week or whatever, uh, on the podcast, it just really bothered me that a lot of Christians were talking about how awesome it was that Bieber was at Coachella and did a worship set but was coming down on you guys for like just being honest. That, that's the thing. Like you were, you were yeah. saying earlier, our lives have played out in front of a lot of people. So they are expecting you not to change and always be what they want you to be. And you're, you are making, you're, you're not lying right now. Like, like the things y'all are doing aren't lying. You're not hidden. You're not doing it to win more Christian fans. Y'all could have easily left off a couple words and hit up, you know, went hard and, and stayed in the Christian market or went deeper in the Christian market. And that would have been fake and not true, but y'all are actually being authentic. And that I think maybe that's what bothers people is living in front of people authentically and trying to be open and honest about where you're at is maybe scary. And they think that you're just, maybe you were always a liar. And now, or they now are. The, it makes the them feel get, insecure. Right. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. What if Am they I let mistaken? loose too? Cause I felt that way before about, for instance, Dave Bazan. It's like, oh, well, I don't want him to go off the edge because that means I might be headed off the edge too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, And it's cool that he can talk about, you know, tasting corporate cum and like she's yeah. screaming for more because he's singing about the rapture, which means he's still a believer. So we still have right. one. Yeah. He's well, just I the edgiest you. one of us. Right. And yeah. it's like, right. And, and I, I think everyone's okay with it until they lose you under the general terms. And now it's like, Oh, you're just them. Yeah. It's us and them. And you're not, you're now them. I mean, I think for, I think for a lot of us, Dave Bazan was actually a huge line in the sand. I, I mean, I specifically remember Toby, telling me it wasn't on the podcast and he and he wasn't well I actually I think he said he he was a little mad because he felt like Dave Bazan was one of us and now he's ditched all of this and and there was almost like you feel betrayed because I started now writing a song called on, you got Bazan <laughs> I really did started that <laughs> Aaron am I mistaken here to 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 think that if you would have played by the rules were you kind of on the way to be like a, a jeremy camp type figure in the christian market at some point uh, he didn't have the biceps yeah. for that joey <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i think so i think that i think that if i would have i had a conversation with someone and i, I don't want to name anybody because i can't remember who it was but someone at the label was like you're too honest in your interviews um, and that's gonna <laughs> yeah and that's, and that's and that's going to mess you up with your radio play. 
you know, and I, I think for me, I think for me, like it, it all stemmed back to like what we were talking about with that song and us censoring that lyric. Um, I, we wanted to say the word whore and we didn't because, you know, we had these conversations, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. So I feel like for me, when, when I left under oath, it was like, well, I'll just go all the way the other way. And maybe that'll be right because I had all these holes in my life that didn't make any sense. Right. So like I was miserable. I hated everything. I was like, so I'll just become super conservative. And I made this, this kind of calculated decision. Like, so I'm going to, I'm going to make this really conservative music and, and have this really conservative conversation in my mouth and be this really conservative person. And that'll, that'll fix me. Right. Like that'll yeah, fix that's me. That'll make yeah. that'll make everything way out. That'll but you remember, you remember trying to do it, and uh, I didn't mean to talk over that part about saving your marriage too. But do you, you're yeah. saying that you intentionally felt like you that you wanted to have more conservative actions and views that you didn't even necessarily hold. You wanted to move that direction because you're uh, absolutely, because yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I thought that was what was wrong because everything else I had tried didn't work. The guys in my band and I didn't get along, Under Oath being the band. And I had to leave because I had all these anxiety issues. And what I really needed was behavioral medicine and someone to talk to. Uh You know what I mean? But I decided that, like, oh, I needed to be this conservative person. So I actually did it. Joey actually did a tour with Jeremy Camp, like a five-day tour. Um, And it was uh, let's just, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> but, but it, you know, like I thought that that was the wave for me because nothing else had worked. And what I, like I said before, what I really needed was medication and someone to talk to um, and to get a divorce. Those are the things that I actually needed. Um, but I thought it was the, the conservative route was the right route. So I made this calculated decision to do that, which was total bullshit. But, um, yeah, to answer your question in short form as well, uh, I, I thought that that's where I was headed was to be Jeremy Camp minus the muscles. And then how'd that turn back this way to the dark, um, to the dark side? What brought to you the back? dark side yeah. to sat- to Satanism? <laughs> um, I, uh, I was doing the whole thing, touring, being in churches, doing the whole thing. And then uh, I got a phone call. Um, I'm trying to think when it was 2014, I think, or thir- 2013 um, to play drums for Paramore. Um, their drummer had gotten injured and I, they wanted me to come out for three weeks to, um, just fill in for this guy who'd gotten injured. And I ended up staying for like four years. Um, but in those first three weeks, um, it was the most freeing thing I had ever done. And it wasn't because that band is big and it was cushy and blah, blah, blah. It was because I literally had was for the first time since I quit under oath in 2010. So in three years was removed from like this shelter that I had built for myself you know what i mean Mm -hmm, like and and by the way the whole time i was living inside of this shelter i was just living like i do now drinking and being being a regular person you know what i mean but on the on on the exterior i was this like super christian guy right so when i joined this paramore thing for these first three weeks it was like oh wow like i can totally be myself you know what i mean everyone in that band has a thousand questions and they you know, like they, they're like, we all are, you know, um, for the most part. So it was like this really freeing, like simple time where I could just not really be in the band, just show up and play drums and have all this time on the road to just sort of use for myself and think for myself and be alone with myself. Um, and then those three weeks turned into four years, mm-hmm. uh, which turned into, right. which turned into under oath, getting back together and the whole thing, which allowed me all this time away from this cocoon that I had kind of crafted for myself, which was 
trying to be Jeremy Camp minus the biceps or whatever you said, Matt. <laughs> um, so I, I, I had all this time to myself, and it really uh, was an interesting turning point in my life, but also a really introspective turning point where I could think about my beliefs and I could think about the creed that I uphold and realize that, wow, like, I don't believe in half of this shit that I'm even saying. I'm just I'm saying it because I feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. And I think a lot of that is knit into a lot of us from growing up super conservative or growing up in Church of God or however, however you did it. You know, I grew up Church of God, which was like, you know, you don't drink and you don't watch certain television shows and you don't do this and you don't do that. And those things are knit into you from so far back. So when your life goes south, you're like, oh. Well, all that shit my parents said was probably right, so maybe I should do that. This is yeah, you, you know feel I mean? like it was payback because you you watch too many uh, movies with boobs in them. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean to some extent. I mean that sounds ridiculous, yeah. but you know, yes, yeah. you know what I mean. Like so, that's why I kind of built this cocoon for myself. And that time in Paramore allowed me to step away from my self-built cocoon and be like, oh shit, like I'm really, really far off base from what I even socially believe and also what I spiritually believe. And now I need to figure out and pick apart what that actually is. So that time really allowed me to do that um, and save me from becoming Jeremy Camp. So <laughs> No offense no <laughs> offense to Jeremy Camp and his fan base. <laughs> yeah, bless you. Bless yeah. you, Jeremy. I mean, do you think, it, and I don't even know if I'm coming from a spiritual perspective here or not, but do you think that some people are supposed to play by the rules in order to exist in that place similar to artistically if someone feels like you know i i'm i'm supposed to be on the radio then you have to play by their rules too like is is there ever like a uh, a mandate or maybe like a conviction to play by rules for a certain agenda i mean what if it's to support your family or something see i don't i don't know because i feel like it's funny because we always we when we talk about stuff like this just us as friends who've known each other for so long, like I, you know, I can hear myself saying, well, you know, that stuff helps a lot of people, man. You know, mm -hmm. I can, I can yeah, hear yeah. Toby saying that, yeah, you know, yeah. like these, you know, this kind of music and these people and this belief system helps a lot of people. But if you really take the husk off, you know, all five of us here on the phone, we would all say, no, that's bullshit. You're just polluting people's minds. That's what, that's what we all really actually probably believe. So I don't know if there's a mandate. I don't know if there's a mandate or not, Joey. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm like, when I, you know, I, I, I looked at my mom one day recently, and this is, this is a really difficult conversation, but in the semi recently. And I said, mom, why do you believe what you believe? You know, my mom grew up church of God and still serves stringently in the church and is an amazing woman. Um, but you know, has a joy FM sticker, which is like the local Christian station on her car and <laughs> you know, like the whole thing. And I, and I, I, mom, why do you believe what you believe? And she goes, I just know that I know, honey, you know, mm -hmm. it's a very Southern woman. I just know that I know. And I feel like I don't want my kid to grow up that way. And that's awful. And that would hurt my mom's feelings to hear her say, but let me clarify, like the mandate and people knowing that they know and people yeah. promoting knowing that they know, I feel like is pollution for, for, yeah. for, 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 for us, because I want my child and I want the next generation of people, and this is me speaking my opinion, but I, I want people to be able to make their own decisions because like Tim and I and most of you guys, like there was no decision to be made. You just believed what you believed because you knew that you knew because God was real because he was real and Jesus Christ died on the cross because he died on the cross. Yeah. But why? Why? You know what I mean? Like how did that happen? Like what's the reality in that? Is that, is that real? Like 
I wasn't allowed to ask those questions as a kid. So as far as the mandate thing goes, I, in my opinion, it's dangerous because it's not allowing people to, to ask those questions. And I sat in a lot of meetings, you know, with radio promoters and shit for Christian radio that were like, you know, you have to write this type of song that allows people to feel this certain way because this is the demographic. These people need Jesus and they need help. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are single and, or their marriages are failing and they got four kids and they're driving their kids to soccer. I mean, this is verbatim stuff mm-hmm. that I was told. Like, this is, you know, they have a minivan. I mean, stupid stuff like that. They have a minivan and life is really hard for them and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the reality is, though, maybe they just need to talk to a counselor. You know, maybe, maybe, they, need, maybe they need to, like, ask the questions and get the questions out of their minds so their life can get better. So as far as the mandate thing goes, I personally think it's bullshit. And I know that was a long answer, but yeah. Okay, folks, let me just give you the facts. The Blue Apron Facts. Fact one, Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Fact two, Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Fact three, Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients and building a community of chefs. And fact four, Blue Apron offers three plans, a two-person meal plan, a family meal plan, and oh yes, a wine plan. I'm not joking. These folks at Blue Apron know what they're doing, and I just love their food. I've said it a million times. Their vegetables are my... I'm not a vegetable person. Uh, I can eat a good potato. (laughs) Is is potato even a vegetable? I guess so. But uh, I can eat almost all of the Blue Apron vegetables. They just taste that good. They're just so fresh. They're so good. And Blue Apron shows you how to cook them. Nobody uh, nobody ever did that for me. I just They said, eat this. And I was like, it doesn't taste good. Blue Apron shows you how to cook it and makes it taste good. Oh, gosh, I love it. This last week, we had uh, turkey burgers and I think it was sweet potato fries. Their food is just so good. And I mean, that's why we keep working with them. They keep working with us because it's a great product. The convenience and variety, flexibility. Listen to this flexibility. Blue Apron offers 12 new recipes each week, and customers can pick two, three, or four recipes based on what fits their schedule. And like I said, the high quality. Blue Apron sends only non-GMO ingredients and meat with no added hormones. I mean, the style, the tone, everything about it is so good. Let me tell you a couple of their meals. I mean, just here's just a few. Steak. Uh, I guess that's fritas. See, it's, it's so good of food that I've never... I, I know cheeseburger. <laughs> Steak fritas is hard for me to say, but I know it's going to taste good. With roasted broccoli and lemon aioli, and then roast... They also have roast pork and salsa verde with sautéed vegetables. Oh, my gosh. Beef empanada, Kung Pao chicken. I mean, I could. the list goes on and on and on. It's just that freaking good. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free at blueapron.com slash badchristian. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. Check them all out. Go to blueapron.com slash badchristian. Get your first three meals free. So good. That's kind of interesting from the point of view of you said, like we said when you said, uh, I know just because I know. Now, that's kind of a cute answer, and it kind of is a reassuring answer in a way. But on the other hand, you got to think about if you were a kid and you're trying to figure out the most important thing in the world, obviously, by the culture you're in, Christian yeah. culture, and right. you know that the other people around you are saying, well, I just know because I know, and I trust me, I do know. Then if you, inside of yourself, as a little kid, imagine being seven years old or t- 12 years old and going, but I don't know that I know yet. Yeah, yeah. right. And you have to live in that. That's terrifying. Sure. Like That's, well, that's, yeah. that's like I mean, damaging. It has to be. Yeah, and I think I think the 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 hardest the hardest part 
for me, I was just having this conversation literally last week, but I was having a conversation with one of my super conservative uh, relatives. And he was like, so you don't believe in hell and this? I'm like, no, I mean, I'm not saying anything's technically possible, but I mean, realistically, absolutely not. Uh, and, you know, started saying, well, this is what this says, and the Bible says this. And I, I just quickly mentioned a Richard Rohr quote that says, you know, the literal truth is the lowest form of truth. And I'm like, yeah, I believe the Bible's real. I also believe a lot of other books are real in the sense that they have reality and impact in real human lives in application. But if you're trying to read it like a textbook, it's different. And then you get crazy people thinking that like 500 foot you know, whales the size of malls have like oxygen tanks and food in there so you can chill for four days, you know, it's like, or three days. It's like, you start thinking these fanciful things and you're like, no, there is an arc and there was only two things. And it's like, that might've happened because none of us were there, but like, let's all just at least shoot the shit straight. Like it probably didn't. Does the story of Jonah or Noah or creation or the universe taking care of us somehow, some way not resonate with me? Absolutely does. Probably more profoundly than just going until I find the ark. I mean, I guess that story was for them. You know, it's like you get in these reality versus truth things. And the one the only response after I said my Richard Rohr comment was literally turns to me and goes, you're going to listen and take a quote from some random guy that you've never seen or never met and have that change your whole faith. Oh and I'm gosh. literally in my head going, Paul, Peter, Jesus, right. yeah. none of us have ever met. Translated. Like, this is exactly what we do. Different languages, but it's, different exactly. millennia. Right. And, and at some point you just hit a spot where you realize like, we all believe what we believe and no one knows what they know because they don't. And I think that's the real thing. And it's like, and, and, and then you go, well, how do you call bullshit on this person, on this person? And I think like the, the problem with Christianity specifically, probably a lot of religions, but at least our Western Christian lives in America is like everything from, you know, cooking shows to Olympic divers to SATs are graded on a one to 100. And I think Christianity is the only thing that's either you 100% fail or you 100% pass with flying colors. And I think, is Joel Osteen right? Hell no, he's not right. But he actually is. A portion of what Joel Osteen says every Sunday is right. Something, And a large portion of what Joel Osteen says is drastically wrong. Is everything I say on this podcast right? No. But am I right talking right now? Absolutely. You just have to figure out how to grade me. Am I 60% right or 50% right or 20% right? Stop saying Mm. Tim said fuck or Underos said this or Aaron preached and now he's saying fuck this. Like now he was in 100, now he's out 100. We're all just varying versions. And you don't know what your number is. You don't know what your number is anyway, and you shouldn't try to self-evaluate your number of rightness. To you, it's as right as you can be at the moment all the time. But that Richard Rohr technique is great. That's basically drop a Richard Rohr quote to a a real strict Bible person. It's like – uh, it's like off bug spray to those people. It's like, it's spray, <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. say some yeah. Richard Rohr here, like the, they'll leave you alone pretty quick. <laughs> the one rule in conservative Christianity is don't believe anything from anyone you haven't met or seen or yeah. verified. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the lowest way of 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 intelligence that there can be. It's it's why I believe that the Christians get duped and are fully on board with Fox News. All your information can only come from one source. So when people talk about the Bible, they only test it against the Bible. Yeah, you don't do that with anything. Right. You, you only test your news 
against. Well, Fox News said this, and that means it's right. And I, I know what I, I don't know. trust the other ones. The other, and, and that's so lazy. Yeah. That's exactly like when my kids say, "Dad, why do I have to do this?" And I just go, "Because I, I'm dad." That is the laziest thing I can do. Really, now it might. I don't care. I might be. I'll, I'll do that more. But I'm just saying that's a lazy way out. That's not explaining anything. It's just saying, "Well, I'm this, and that's what it's going to be." And I could way more take the time to explain, look at other options, whatever it might be. Like you said, I mean, there there are real. The idea that you could say 100%, I believe that Jonah was in the well, but any other miracle in any other book is fallacy and the way of Satan. That not that just the most bizarre thing in the world? That, that you are certain all other miracles or any other stories are bullshit, but the, as long as it's in this book that some people put together that you also that, don't know. It's, and it's unquestionable. It's it's, Yours are unquestionable. unquestionable Nobody, everybody it, else's are impossible. It, it's literally unquestionable. I think that's the funny thing is like the argument for apologists is like, look at the universe and we're the only rock uniquely created, custom made, whatever, Rolls Royce of planets that has the right access, the right environment, the right H2O, the right, all of it, right? And then you flip it and you can use those same facts as an atheist going, with the amount of the billions of planets and galaxies we've discovered currently, there's one that has life. So humans on Earth right now is the equivalent of a human right now winning the lottery 48 times. That's the odds of this working. And people win the lottery all the time by chance and they're idiots. So like we're just an idiot roll of the dice from the universe and like one in every 40 billion kind of works on accident, Mm -hmm. right? And both of those arguments make sense. Is the yeah, atheist you know, right? I, yes. I would say, is the Christian right? Yes. But we, you have to grade it on a scale. It's not fuck yeah or screw you. It's we're both right. Let's figure out how to reconcile those. Yeah. It, it is unique yeah. and we can feel special. And it is so random that the math doesn't make sense. And this could all be nothing. Both of those mm. things have validity, you know? And with the Bible, too, I mean, and and I come from the camp where I don't think the Bible says about itself that it's infallible. but. I mean, I just don't understand how people can't see the fact that if the Bible says it's infallible, that is such a circular reasoning. And I've actually heard Mark Driscoll, when I used to listen to him all the time, he said, why do I believe that the Bible's true? He said, because the Bible says that it's true. And I was like, you are a smart man. Like, how in the world can you say that and expect us to run with it like that? But when when these conversations take place, I think of people like Tim Keller, who I have a lot of respect for. I think he's super smart. I get a lot out of. And I think to myself, though, what percentage of his convictions and beliefs are based on what he was taught by people that he respected and, and question, revered? But, but at the same well, time, terrible. these people had to be fallible, you know, so I, I, I hear what he has to say and I'm like, yeah. yeah, but he doesn't have like this. He doesn't have dibs on truth. He doesn't have like this inner source that all of us don't have. He's also still a man, but he's still speaking with the utmost conviction. And that's what's hard for me is to put him, a guy like that in the same category of everybody else, but you have to. Well, let me give is. you yeah. a tweet. Let me give you a tweet from Tim Keller from 22 hours ago. See what y'all make of this tweet. I'm dead serious. Somebody sent it earlier, and so I thought that's funny that you brought it up. 22 hours ago from Tim Keller. Unless you believe in hell, you will never know how much Jesus loves you. That doesn't even make sense. That's a guy I really respect. I mean, so, I mean, you cannot I, deny hell and even really understand Jesus' love. Is, is the I just, I, 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 I get the sentiment. I think he's right. I think 
you know, if I felt like there literally was a bajillion trillion infinity years of me sitting in a hot oven and the only way that I got out of that is through Jesus, then yeah, I probably would have the utmost respect for someone that would save me from something so horrible. And maybe when you rationalize that, that's probably not really what we're talking about. Um, does that diminish it? Jesus's power? Uh, maybe, but uh, so again, like it's easy to be like, fucking these bullshit or whatever. Yeah. Like, but like, he's kind of right. You he's can, just, he, he got like 10 out of a hundred. You know what I mean? He yeah. failed still in my brain. Well, he like, didn't leave room I mean, for the possibility that truth. the interpretation is wrong. Like, oh, oh, sorry. I just misread that one. Like that, that that's yeah. not also a footnote of the tweet of, of oh yeah, yeah, some of our tradition had some of that interpretation wrong. That's not, he's, he's locked that off and said, and, and if you do believe that you are on, you know, you're out or there's, or there's something exclusive about yeah. believing the right way. Well, we're all saying is we all, it, Jesus, it still leaves questions that like, you could also just barely change that a little bit and go, you won't understand Jesus's love or the creator's love unless he creates an oven that you burn in forever. Yeah, unless, <laughs> right, right. Who, who created hell? Where did hell come from? That immediately gives me a question in my brain. And that's what is really tough. I, I wanted to ask a question getting back to under oath in the music where y'all at all, when y'all broke up and were called it quits, what, do you think all this was going on in your heads and you just couldn't talk about it? Like, was this something that led to the original breakup? Like, do you think you guys weren't able to be open and honest and as comfortable back then? I don't know that, I don't know that we, I don't, at least for me, and I'm speaking for myself, I don't know that we had the mental capacity yet to unpack, to use Christianese, to unpack this type of conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that, like, what I believe now, and, you know, this kind of ties in with what you guys were just talking about is, so, Christians use the Bible, and we all know historically that the Bible was canonized, which means a bunch of people got together and decided what was going to be in it. It's a really rough explanation of canonization. But in the Bible, what evangelical Christians hold to is the Great Commission. You know, go and make disciples of all men. And we have another, seer, another scene in the Bible where the transfiguration happens, where Jesus ascends into heaven. And then he tells the disciples, he's like, go and, and make disciples of all men. And the funny part about that, and this is, this is my major rub with modern Christianity, and this is my major rub with the whole thing, is he doesn't look at the, the 11 disciples that were there because one hung himself in a field. He, he and say, yeah, you're going to be Methodist, and you're going to be Catholic, and you're going to be left-wing, and you're going to be right-wing, and you're going to say shit, and you're going to have a beer, and you're going to not wear pants. All the women have to wear dresses. And he didn't do that. It was just like, go and do this. And, th- and we we have no real handbook for what that's supposed to look like, right? right? And I think that's why you have people that say the thing of, uh, I know that I know, like I was talking about earlier. I think that's why we have that. But I think at our age, when the band broke up and we went home and the whole thing, blah, 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 I don't think we were able to look at something like that and say, well, this doesn't make any sense. And I think that a lot of Christians aren't able to do that because they're too afraid, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm not saying that, hey, listen, I got balls of steel because I'm going to question the Bible and say, call bullshit on the Bible. Like, I, I, I think that yeah. we just grew to a point in our lives now where we can have these conversations because we're adults. Man, you know the call-out like, culture has really affected, affected you to the core. Now you call bullshit on the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. Damn. Damn. Shots fired, eh, Rob? Shots fired. You're supposed to call out every. Don't put words in my mouth. I I think, like, 
I think we I think we've all kind of settled in and in a weird way I think we've all kind of always been the people that we are now. Um yeah. I, I've changed a lot. I mean, some people might think I've done a 180, but I, I feel like I was doing a thing cuz I felt it was right and it was out of service, not out of heart. Like it was, still felt weird to like pray at a work tour Bible study, but that's what I felt like yeah, was it's called interesting. Me, you know, that's interesting. Like I don't think any of us, I remember going back and all of us were at those things and like we were doing it out of service. Yeah, that's it's right. Like, I I've never gotten up and like, man, I really want to know what the bottom of my toilet smells like, but I still clean it. Cause I just feel right. like it's a necessary part of owning a home, mm-hmm. but it's never something that I felt called to do. It's like, if I could not have a toilet and it cleaned itself, that would be awesome. Are you saying you and always kind of felt those, phony praying? I've always felt funny praying or praying always. in public or running a thing in uh, the Bible study. I think praying in public's the hardest. I, I, I pray a lot. I still pray a lot now, but I think prayer's always been really personal. And I, I I've always felt like, I've naturally or intentionally tried to be a leader, even if I'm not good at it. And I think in faith, that was kind of the, the bad version. I think there's a good and bad version of everyone, right? In my natural positive state, I jump in, I do the work that people don't want to do. Naturally, I kind of uh, end up somehow taking charge, but I have the, the, the vision and the, the best of everyone in my head, and I'm going to make sure everyone's taken care of. And then on the, the flip side, once you're in that headspace, like now you have to be. So it's like, cool, who's right. leading? Like I'll pray, I'll, I'll close, I'll mm-hmm. close, I'll do this. Like make sure like I'm still part of the, the leadership group and not just an attendee. Yeah. And I, and Aaron's seen both of those sides very strongly over the last 15 years. And he can tell you probably better than I can. When it's bad, it's real bad. And when it's good, it's probably really good. At least you um, didn't make records out of service because I did that. So. <laughs> sure. But it's like, but I think like for me, like it was – the, the, the only option I could say, and I actually think you had a guest on the other day that said this, and he's like, not to associate it with coming out of the closet, because that's a very culturally oh, relevant thing. Oh, that was thing, the, the 11-year-old Jewish guy. That kid, yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. yeah, That guy's weird. Uh, I have another thought on that kid. Um, so do I. Go but, for it. Go for it. Um, but I think what he said was very – it struck me. You know, like I think we still struggle with like, you know – telling our friends the things we do and being okay with going, yeah, like I do what, whatever the thing is, you know, I like this or I smoke that or I do this. And we're still like not really our true selves to most people. Uh, even to ourselves and each other, we're still like, now that, that's not really a thing. And we're still just working through that when in reality it's a thing here or there. Um, and, and I think that's something we've really fought is like trying to be authentic without taking the, uneducated teenage approach and going, Oh, now we're free. Well, guess what? Hookers and blow and fuck words on every song for everybody, you know, yeah. like, cause that's not who we are, but I, there's a part of us that just wants to be like, and blur, like blow up everything. But deep down, like when I sit by myself, I know that there's something and there's peace and there's love and there's service and there's community that needs to be followed through. And I'll circle back to your 11 year old missionary evangelical preacher kid like he's he was raised up like psychotically in this weird culture and then swung just purely out of almost abandonment to judaism through a couple random events Mm -hmm. and and then swung back and i think like if he would have been grown if he would have grown up as a hardcore jew he would have defected from judaism and swung really hard towards the freedom of uh you know um speaking in tongues christianity and i I think like he kept using things like 
Judaism, and you guys even kind of backed it up, like Judaism seems so inclusive and that's why it was so good. He still ended up leaving. It, right. You know, if, if he was raised as hardcore Muslim, he would have gone here and then back to a middle ground. I think we all rebel on what we're raised on. And so to, to say that where you just came from is bad and where you're going is good. I think we all have to slingshot somewhere and bounce off and play a little ping pong before the ball rests in the middle, hopefully in a stable spot. And I think that's what that guy was doing very ferociously yeah. and probably moderately destructively in my personal opinion, maybe to himself or maybe to others. But like, we all do that. I saw so much of myself in him. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a Christian or hell isn't real. Well, then I guess I'm a universalist. So check me out. And it, that's, who cares? But that's not what I am, you know? But that's what people want me to be because you have to pick a side. Right on. And I think, and, and I think that's a problem. Matt, how fucked up was it that you literally said, We'll talk to you in a couple of years when you're Hindu or whatever you said. Oh, yeah. I you're couldn't in, resist like, that. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was, that was so good. I couldn't resist so that. Good. I thought he had a good enough sense of humor for that, but, I mean, that's, that's kind of obvious. Dude, he, he, he didn't did have not, as much of a sense of humor as I expected. I don't that think one. that landed, but I'm <laughs> glad he printed it. Right. Yeah, I'm still glad oh, I, I did it. That's like my fuck word in the album, you see. That was my yeah. expression. I needed to say that. When I, could, I was sitting on it. I would have regretted it. a freaking yeah. ayahuasca guru. I would have regretted it forever if I didn't say it, so I made myself say it. Same as y'all said oh, fuck in the song. So speaking of y'all's music, what is a... Speaking of y'all's music, I, I am very interested to talk about that a little bit, and I'll, I'll break your balls on one more point. I saw y'all in that arena with Bring Me the Horizon on that time, last time y'all came to Seattle, and it was unbelievable. And you, Toby and them will know I called them. I was like, this yeah. band is doing what they're supposed to be doing here. This is crazy. And it was your old music, and in that situation, it wasn't the new stuff yet. And now I hear this new album, and you guys are going to really do it. It's amazing. It's exciting. And I think that is the place you're supposed to be. And you're going to have music on, you're going to be playing in arenas and having, you know, hits on the big time radio. So I need you to apologize all this time to us for knocking us for liking bands like Metallica and the Beatles. <laughs> I want an apology for that. That's Tim. Okay, well, Tim, you need to apologize. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, hold never, on. I, it's hot I never dissed you for that. Yes, y'all <laughs> diss Emery for liking bands like Metallica and the Beatles and saying they sucked as if they're too. Me- Metallica does suck. Um, <laughs> the Beatles are pretty dope. Um, and, and I think I've, I've warmed up to them. And warmed I up to the Beatles. Like, Good. I remember I you not? saying. Yeah. The, I remember you saying the Beatles suck, though. I can yeah, take. I know. I, I know I did, I'll, and I apologize to Paul McCartney, but I will not apologize <laughs> to freaking uh, Kirk Hammett and whatever this guy is who sells art. The drummer of the drummer? Metallica, Lars, Lars, Lars yeah. Ulrich. Yeah, I mean Lars those guys so are, good. are. They're they're good. Ah, you look at you. You're clowning me now. <laughs> no, those guys can play circles around us, but uh, when they all get together, that's, they don't make that's anything that ve- moves. That's me. vehemently not true. That they can place that Metallica can play circles around you. That's vehemently not true. Metallica is very popular, and that's rad. And I'm glad that they have some moments that are. But they are not better musicians than you. That's that's not fair. Maybe Kurt Cameron hey, can dude. play a better solo than you, but that's just vehemently not true. No offense. Metallica. Okay. Well, then great. Um, but yeah. No. So can, can you guys apologize to me for still liking Metallica? 
No, no I love Metallica. <laughs> I think they're great. But I'm, I am asking about the direction of your music. I do want to cover that here. Was there a moment when people were criticizing your music when it was first coming out and the comments? Because I was watching it and I was nervous. I was scared when it first started coming out and, yeah. the, and Gillespie's getting aggro on Twitter and the sound is more commercial, to be sure. And I'm thinking, yeah. are they going to get fried for this? Are they, is this right? Is this going to work? And I was nervous for a minute. How Was there a moment where oh, y'all you, were or weren't you sure? Thought- you thought you thought we were going to put it out and it was going to sell like 500 copies. No, well, I just thought the you know, the, you saw those reactions and then the, the song was yeah, in yeah. it and I saw y'all fighting with fans and there was there are more negative comments than than before. So it was like sure. it, is this going to are they going to be able to get through is this going to bog them down? Is that going to be the, yeah. what's going to be the narrative here? And you guys push yeah, through right, and it's right. amazing. I had it's two, crazy. I had a two phase. I had a two phase reaction. The first one as you saw you said Gillespie gets about 75% aggro yeah. on Twitter. I had that reaction. And then I started thinking about it. Like, so you got like 60, 60% love, 40% hate. Mm-hmm. And when you got that much going on, 40% hate is might as well be 90. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that 40% is so it's much loud, stronger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it wasn't first, 40% I, either. It might have been t- 15%, but it's loud. It's all, it, right. r- no, it wasn't 40%. But yeah, I mean, I freaked out about it. And then I started thinking, like, wait a minute. This many people are concerned about what we're doing now, which means they still hold on to a piece of music that they made 12 years, we made 12 years ago. And if there would have been the internet after Chasing Safety, it would have been the same thing before mm-hmm. to, when Define the Great Line got teased. Like, oh, they're just, what are they now, Motorhead? Like, all they write is heavy music. You know, like, they could have been really great. Like, it would have, the same thing would have happened. But what really got me to kind of surface is the fact that 12 years later, people still care about something we made 12 years ago? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that saved my ass because I was quickly spiraling down to where you probably were, Matt. Like, is this <laughs> <work?"> <laughs> you know I, mean? like I was low, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and for, yeah. and for us, like, it, it, you said something a few minutes ago that I want to clarify too. It's, it's, it's a more commercial sound, and you're right. But I can truthfully say for me and for the four of us, like, like this, is, this is what we wanted to make. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, you know how you listen to music and, and you listen to a band that you were friends with and they make like a decidedly commercial turn and you're like, oh man, that's a really try hard set of songs. You yep. know what I mean? Like this, of course. We actually, we actually, I, I actually believe in this. You know, like we, I actually, we actually worked our asses off. Like, and this is what came out. Like, we didn't, there was no way we were going to come out with a Define the Great Line part two. It just, we, we don't, we don't write those kind of songs anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you don't wear the same vans you wore in Warp Tour 05. And if you do, you've got foot problems. You know what I mean? Like we, we're not, we're not those same people. So it wasn't going to happen. Sure. Like it wasn't going to happen the way that people wanted it to. So there, there was inevitably going to be some backlash because I just can't, I can't step back into the same shoes I wore 12 years ago. I'm not going to do it. Well, yeah, you're you're different people. And that ties into what we've been talking about in the rest of the conversation, but honest enough people, I'm curious if you're honest enough or if you can see it clearly enough to even say that there's a previous version of you that would be judgmental of what you're doing now. There's some version of you that would have also criticized what you, the current version of you. Well, I, for me, I've always been the guy that liked the, the wussy music, if you will. I've always been the guy that's like, Oh, he likes pop music. So, you know, he's done, you know, but, but yeah, you're right. And I think more from some of the other members of the band, especially Tim, than from me. Yeah, more but Tim than you on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably three or four songs on this album that define the great line me. If someone else would have put it out on Warped Tour, like Coheed or something, I would have been like, goodbye. 
Yeah, right. That's what I'm yeah. asking. If you if you can see that yeah. a, huge, a previous version of you yeah. would have had and, the same I, reaction as some of the that. bad fans. Yeah. I get that, you know, and and I I I mean honestly, I even struggle with that in the studio. Like some of these songs that are more straightforward, like to me, interesting isn't well written. And I think what what really gets Aaron off and Spee off is like they love of of like they love presentation. Like they love the plating and that the wine comes out and the salad comes out and then a soft course and then the big meal and then a little espresso. Like they mm-hmm. love the ritual of the, and the delivery of a song, which is the structure and That's the flow analogy. and the movement. I love going to a sushi bar and going, give me three bottles of all of your wine and bring all of it and just go ham. Yeah. And like, that's like my wave. Like, I think something that's exciting is like super spicy. I mean, I eat my Thai super spicy. I eat my sushi raw as hell. Like I drink, you know, diesel IPAs, all the beers you guys were making fun of a couple weeks ago, like Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Like that's my wave. I like interesting. I like different. And I even think, just being different. And this is where, like I said, I'm good sometimes and I'm bad sometimes the same person. Aaron's good sometimes and Aaron's bad sometimes same person is like, I would rather be different and less good than be great, but feel like I can apply our greatness and see five other peers. Yeah. Like that's my mm-hmm. thing. Like with Rapture, you know, that's our first single. And when we first heard the demo, I had to wrap my head around going, this is a great song. You can't diss the plating. But could any chef make this song? If the answer is yes, then I don't want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and and instead what we said is, Tim has all these fucked up ideas that don't make any sense. But instead of just going, those are like your artistic ta- ta- like tangents when you're going to your 11-year-old man's ayahuasca trips. Um, and then we have these like super structured songs that feel like they're they're lacking a little bit of maybe like soul or injection. It's like, how do we fuse it? And I think that's really where we got. I think we talked about that on Break It Down, so I won't go back into that and have a repeat. But I think for the first time, the structured dudes were like, yo, can we just make a song and play it well mm-hmm. instead of just go on a tangent and never come back and just bang our heads for eight minutes? And the answer is yes, where it would have been no. And so it's like, how do we take something and make it feel structured and, and, and very almost Catholic in the sense of like, there's a formula, we're going to go here but there's beautiful things in the Catholic church and there's beautiful things in like the psycho Benny Hinn church. And again, they're probably like multiple percentages of each other, but you know what I mean? People get off on different things. Some people need excitement and inspiration and some people need rhythm and structure. And I think we're all so different that we just had to figure out what this is. And I think the reason why the record sounds the way it does is because we all lent each other's ears enough to make my super weird stuff make sense. Yeah. And Aaron and Spee's super plated and structured stuff feel a little bit more because it already had feeling. I and mean, when those guys play, it's like, you know, it's them and there's already an innate soul. But sometimes it's like, how do we like jack up the bridge just enough to give it that like, whoa, there's the eh, under oath thing, you yeah. know? And I think we did that, you know, and there's airy parts and there's vibey parts. And then you're just back to chorus three. And it's like, I never thought we'd be in chorus right. three again, but here we are. And it works. And so it's like, we just work together to go, what do we all need from the dinner? Well, you're doing yourself you a know? maximum dis. You're, you're, you're doing your, if you're in a band or you're a chef or in a relationship, you're doing yourself a maximum disservice if you don't use every ingredient available to you. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? And I think for a long time, and the reason why, in my opinion, after Define the Great Line, Under Oath Records got very linear. And I'm not just speaking of the one I wasn't on, but the one I was on after 
define the great line. Like we just, we became very linear. And I think what happened there is we started only using six or seven ingredients that we, that we held in our bag. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that if you're going to be a good chef and I like the food analogy, Tim, cause it makes so much sense. If you're going to be a good chef, you're going to use every strength you have. You know what I mean? And I think that we did that on Define the Great Line. And then after that, we stopped using all of our strengths and started really cooking with four or five ingredients. And they were the ones that you like. Right. You know what I that's mean, right. Tim? And, and sure. I don't yeah, think... Yeah, I totally... I, that's not fair to your consumer. You know, even if the consumer <laughs> gets, <band> gets <laughs> used... Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, but, but or I band like, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're a chef, though, like, and you go to a restaurant, like, you can only go to In-N-Out so many times. Before you're like, I need something with a little more sustenance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can only eat in and out eight or nine times before you're like, yeah, I'm going to die if I eat this again. Like I got to, I got to, I need a piece of lettuce. I need some vinaigrette. Like I need some panko breadcrumbs. I need to fish it. <laughs> like, let's make, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's make this, let's make this another thing. And I think that we gave ourselves and we gave our public the same thing three times in a row. And, and I think that the beauty of Erase Me is the fact that we were all able to put our shit aside and open the whole pantry. Yeah. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And, that, and that's, why you, that's why you've got the third chorus because even though Tim doesn't want to cook the, the third chorus, I want to taste the fucking third piece of steak. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like I'm going to fight for that and he's going to go, okay, you can have your third steak, but I'm going to put some pepper on that bitch. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, so, <laughs> Y'all are deep yeah. in the food analogy, but you've got it yeah. down. Yeah, that's yeah, it. I'm hungry as hell now. I know. <laughs> God. And you can't eat because you're on antihistamine. I know. Damn it. Do y'all think, well, this is that's an interesting take. It, so is this officially the, the direction or do you think the next the next record oh, will be m- more ingredients? Like, I mean, there zero direction. Really? Zero. Yeah, no, no direction. I mean, like we're already working on like weird stuff. Like I'm working on stuff. I mean, I have stuff that sounds like Mac DeMarco and Run the Jewels and uh, crazy stuff. And, you know, Aaron and, you know, Rowdy, our drum tech, just made like a country record. So everyone's like exercising and expanding. So when we get back to build the next house, I think we're all going to have a lot more tools and we're going to have used the tools we used on the last record, Erase Me, so much more in different ways. Like, it's not going to be. That's kind of neat. Yeah. So you're, works, erase you know? me isn't the new direction for the next decade. It's that's erase me, and whatever you'll do next yeah. is whatever y'all will be at I that think time. I th- we have to. I lock mean, back what if we said it was original ether? You know, but, it, it, like you can't. Like if what if a race erase me is so diverse? It's like what if no frames the new direction? Then we're going to be Kid A. True. What if Rapture's the new true. direction? Then we're going to be a radio rock band. Like right. there's so many directions even within the project. It's like I think the one thing I will say is. And Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, I actually totally just cut you off because I only have one ear and I saw you talking. Um, I think the one thing that we're not ever going to do again that I can see, because as Aaron said, we opened up the whole pantry, is we were so linear that an hour felt like one song. You know, we would write these things that had to stop at three minutes called songs and they'd have their own arcs. But the way we would structure our record is we wanted the whole thing to feel like a song. And by track seven, you get let down for a jam and then you come right. back up with a heater and then you go down into this and then we end with the sad bastard, like jump off a cliff, go kill yourself and yeah. loop back and start over. Yeah. You know, I think that's going to be less in our future and it's going to be more unique song oriented that all come from the same family, but they're not all identical twins. And I would say yeah. that's the one direction I think we did set here in a few comments I've seen, like every song's so different, but they're so good. But I just remember being able to play this album when I'm 
working out and it would just get me through for an hour. It's like, yeah, because it was just the whole time. Right. Mm-hmm. And now we're not I, doing I, that anymore. I, I disagree a bit in the way that I, I, I agree and disagree. And I agree that the whole arc of things will look different. But I think what we've just done is freed ourselves back up to be under oath. And what I mean by that is Chasing Safety had all this success in – it's funny because we, you know, we're in rehearsals now and play some of those songs and they're hilariously poppy. Yeah. Like the chord structures and the progressions. And I love seeing fans talking about how it raced me a sellout pop. And then they, they say their favorite songs, boy, brush red. I'm like, dog, you are not listening to the same headphones. I am because <laughs> this is, this is like, yeah, but I, I think we're going to allow ourselves to be the band that we set out to be. Meaning we put that record out super poppy. After that, we put out Define the great line, which is dark and strange in a journey. And then we just followed the linear line that Tim was just talking about. I think what's going to happen now is we're going to allow ourselves to, what if we want to go back and make a weird ass record next record? It'll be okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and then the next record might be chasing safety part two, super pop. There might be all drum machines and a vocoder who knows, but I think we have finally freed ourselves up. I think erase me was our way of freeing ourselves up to make the music we want to make. So, yeah. Well, I congratulate you. And the, I really mean the word congratulations, but I mean it deep. I mean it on the personal level of the, you know, the changes you guys have made in your personal lives and on the the album itself and its success and on what you just said. That's congratulations. Good on you for figuring out what you want to do, knowing it and being able to be comfortable in it in the moment. That's encouraging and it's badass. So thank you. And, sweet, and what man. y'all are doing overwhelmingly so is is the support you actually do have. Like I know there's always going to be haters. We've had them. Every single band knows what haters are and, and especially with the internet. But I mean, it sounds like you guys have a great label. You do have great fans that really do still care about your music and are excited about it. You, this album was what? Number four on the charts. I mean, you guys are killing it. it. It was a good decision to be authentic and who you are now that, that, that was always going to be the right call. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really where our success has really always come from. I feel like we started being real and even if people thought we were weird or like too poppy or too heavy, they saw the realness or like, I need to dig in more. And I think, you know, over the course of the last 10, 15 years, like we've built not a, a sound or an image, but we've built just an expectation of authenticity. And there was a lot of people like all the stuff Matt was seeing, you know, you guys are pussies now, you know, really mean shit, you know? Um, all this stuff, there were a bunch of people going, I don't like this song, but I actually like the first song. And if I know the under oath that I've known for 15 years, I'm going to wait for the album comes out. Cause there's going to be some bangers on that. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it was like wild to see people literally coming to our defense. Yeah, going, right. I don't like the, I don't like rapture either. Cause they're still listening to E-Tid or whatever. Right. But like, they're also saying, but if I know these boys and they stay true, like I know they always do and will now, we got to grab the album. We yeah. got to cop it because mm. there's going to be something in there. And then literally 24 hours after the record leaked, our Reddit forum was just like, oh, never mind. My bad. Okay, cool. Oh, wow. I actually start liking Rapture now. Oh, wait. I really like the last song. I didn't think I liked the last song. Like, it's, it just takes a little time. And I think that's the problem with new bands is – no one's going to make art that takes introspection and intellect to understand because no one has that, that attention span under oath by the grace of God, the universe, uh, whatever (laughs) that is. Like we actually have fans that will sit through a record and go, I thought that record was dog shit. 
but I know I love this band, so I'm going to listen to it again. Right on. And you know what I mean? Like, right. and, and they'll kind of get, they'll, they'll be okay with getting derailed and then jump back on and, and follow it through. And I think that's what's happening. And we took a risk there because the way we structured even the, the song track listings and the songs we chose, we were huge risk, right? But it's like, we know that the core trusts us enough to go, if they don't get it, it's not because we did it wrong. It's because they're not getting it yet. And they're going to trust us. And there's a lot of people that have come back going, dude, like I kind of skipped this song four times. And then I woke up kind of singing it. Now I'm back on it. A week later, this is my favorite. Never mind. The first song's my favorite now. And they're, they're, they're spending time with it and letting it evolve in their own brains, their own emotions. And I think that's what we've always done. And we're one of the few bands right now that I think has that attention span where we don't have to hook you in. And if you like it, you double tap. And if you don't, you don't, you know, double tap down. And then we're fighting over Twitter wars and streaming. You know, it's like, I think the things right. that we, we saw on the onset, we knew were going to come from Rapture because we knew we were throwing a really weird carrot out without any context. And people right. were like, what the hell? And we knew that. And we were just kind of like, check this pot out. <laughs> but like, once the record comes out, I know for a fact, when you get to song seven, you're going to be like, damn, this is well-rounded. I like songs more than others, but it's well-rounded and it's the under oath I know. Yeah. I knew that for a fact as the artist. Like, we have yeah. made everything that everyone's loved. And I knew that as the guy who, who the cook, you're going to like your plate. You might right. not finish all your greens because it's got a weird seasoning on it, but you're definitely going to be able to get through at least six out of eight courses. Yeah. Trust me. Thank you for coming back. You know? <laughs> well, great. I hope they leave you a good gratuity at the end of the night. Uh, yeah. Tips are welcome. <laughs> Well, yeah, like I said, I'll let you guys get out of here. I know you got to get back to rehearsal, but but good on you for all of it, and congratulations is the word. So, yeah, inspiring. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Thanks for always being available. Love you, bud. Oh, you yeah. got it. Come back anytime. And you, and Matt, you and, and I always talk, and you know, I feel like every time we talk, it's just like whatever you guys want, come on. We just never had a connection like this in a different medium where it's just we're always welcome, and there's always something new to talk about. So good on like you I and just, Toby and Joey. It's just like you always say, anytime Emory wants to open for Under Oath, we're welcome to. Same kind of thing. Open door policy. (laughs) I feel like I just text Matt that I'm mad about guests. That's all I text. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. And and just to promote one more thing, Aaron, you are actually doing all the music for God's Not Dead 7, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the old contract still lingering around his obligation. One more. (laughs) That's the one where they use a drill doll and an atheist. It's awesome. All right, thank you guys. See you. All right, boys. Peace. Woo, man, we got into it with those old boys from Under Oath. Don't it's just think. so weird thinking that it was only what, like, two or three years ago when everybody thought they were done, and now here they are, just flourishing young men. I think, like, I think waging seriously. war against Satan and the principalities and winning souls for Christ. I, I think we're their their big brother in a sense, as band wise, and they just saw, hey, the. Those old old folks don't That's stop, true. and so so why? What are we doing here on the sidelines? If Emory can keep going, my mm-hmm. God, we well, gotta listen, throw a hip out at any moment. They're still doing it now, Toby. Why don't you like Spencer? Like why? That's just, that I, I doesn't even s- make. That's not even a funny joke. <laughs> that's not even a funny joke. Not even a good joke. That made joke. Toby a little squirmy. I'm no, sorry. No, I don't get squirmy. I just like good jokes. I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan of great, great humor. <laughs> sorry about that. All right. Well, let's talk about this old BC Club. We love the BC Club. This is how this podcast that you're listening to right now works. 
Because if the BC folks, Club was a woman, would you leave your wife for it? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I would. Jess would want me to. That's how amazing of a wife she is. Bless her heart. Um, she would say, leave me, go to the BC Club. Um, this is how we do it. We like to send perks. You get an extra episode, a whole personalized episode just for the clubbers. Uh, nobody else gets it. Uh, there's all kinds of different levels you can get to. It's where you can get different things like shirts, pin, uh stickers uh oh, it's more than i can even say so go ask to more than wh- you can ask or imagine more you can ask and imagine so where they where, where do they go to bc the bc i want everybody to rewind toby's whole spiel here it's been full of <laughs> emphasis with absolutely zero specifics or details yeah, yeah that's the way you do said, it to- i'm just rewind it away. and listen to toby's pitch for the bc don't Club. give that away <laughs> It's There's just, things, and they're all, I'm, you know what I did? I did the a, Donald it's Trump. It's a thing. Uh, we love I did. It's it. It's going to be really right. It's going to be really awesome. You're going to love it. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's, yeah, There's I some just, people that really like being in it. it. Yeah. It's got all website address. Who could know what that is? I mean, it's phenomenal. It's going to be unbelievable. Just, it just is. I mean. <laughs> yeah. So, just, just Joey, with that being said, tell some of the super smart people that were, you know, <laughs> in, in this thing. to give, give some names. We like to tell. We'd like to. Is this honoring? What is this? Uh, edifying and honoring these people, Joey? Yeah, it sure is. We want to welcome the following people to the BC Club, and that is uh, Dan Koch, um, Dave, uh, David Bazan, uh, Melissa Gilbert, in parentheses, it says Little House on the Prairie, and uh, Tom Hanks hmm. and Helen hmm. Hunt, the the couple on Castaway, <laughs> and uh, De- wow. Denzel Keep Washington. Going. This is, this, I know you don't have these written down, but I'm really enjoying the, the yeah. How many more? How many more BC clubbers are there? Just three more. Post. Like I, I I got some females in. Now I have to get some. No, different just keep races it going in. random okay. from your nostalgic brain. Just do it. I'm Michael yeah. Chang, the uh, tennis player. And oh, last, last but not least. Uh, Luau Sindor, and that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He actually changed his name back to Luau Sindor because he and left the Muslim the faith wow. back. Yeah, he, he turned his back on them. Um, and then we do have some uh, other non-celebrities. I did want to get those celebrities out of the way. And uh, so we've got some... Uh, Toby, did, did, these person, did these people send in their sins? Yeah, I have their sins right here, if you'll let me pull it up. Uh, okay, I got them right up. here, yeah. All right, Christopher Grooms. Chris goes into the 10 items or less line with 17 items oh, and no. then writes a check and has to borrow a pen to do it. That's an asshole. I don't know about sin, but that's definitely That's asshole-ish. sin. That's sin in the Bible. Andrew Worley. He loves cup of fart. That's where he cups his hand to his butt, farts in it, and then brings it up to his nose and smells it. <laughs> and yes, he dealt it. Joseph Cauldron. Love saying guns don't kill people. I do. That Joseph B. Ruh sniffs his dental floss after he uses it. That's not a sin. And get the yes, hell out of here is. with that. No, it's not. John Davis says he watches gay porn to support gay people. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Steve Baines always yells that was wet after he farts. This is a sin. I. I you're right. You don't think well on your feet with these kind of things. I think you're the most entertaining human maybe in the whole world, but you say Hey, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Seriously. Just 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 one time in my whole damn life. Just do that for me. You don't have to give me a present. You don't have to give me a present next year for what my birthday. What do you want me to do? Shut the fuck. When up. do you want me to do that? Concurrent. By when? Concurrently to the time of now. 
All right. We're out of here. <laughs>